All right. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Eaglebrook Church. You know, that Dave Ramsey weekend is going to be fantastic. It's coming up in two weeks. Dave Ramsey has actually never spoken in Minnesota before, never spoken live in Minnesota. And he asked if he could come and speak at Eaglebrook Church. He just believes in the mission here and knows how much we have benefited from his Financial Peace University uh, products that he does. And so if there's someone in your life who maybe they've been a little resistant to coming to church for whatever reason, but would be open to some financial help and learning what God says about finances and about debt. I think it's going to be a fantastic weekend for everyone that's coming up in a couple weeks with Dave Ramsey. All right, we are in the fifth week of a series called Battle Ready because every one of us from time to time faces a battle. I got an email from a college student recently who said, I just found out my parents are getting a divorce. He said, I always knew their marriage wasn't the greatest, but I didn't see this coming. He said, I feel like my life has just been turned upside down. He is in a battle. And some of you know what that's like. You're going through your own battles in life. Maybe for some of you, it's a custody battle. And that can be extremely painful to walk through. You need extra amounts of God's mercy and his forgiveness to extend to others. Some of us are in, at work right now. We're trying to implement some changes. And you'd think that wouldn't be that big of a deal, but... It's become a leadership battle for you. But I think sometimes the greatest battles that we face are the ones that are internal to ourselves. It's things like fear and worry and doubt and sadness, which is why in this series we've been trying to talk about what does God say about you? Not what do you think about yourself, not what do other people say about you, but what does God say about you? And God says if you're a believer in Christ, you are chosen you are strong, you are alive in Christ, you are filled with his spirit, and today's message is titled, We Are Gifted. This past April, if you remember, we had that monster snowstorm here in Minnesota, and if you're an online attender who you know, takes in the service from Florida or Arizona, you're just missing out on the fullness of what God wants you to have in this life, okay? You just, you honestly, you need to you ask for forgiveness and come up here for a little bit in the winter, but we had that huge storm in, in April, and that morning, our leadership team was talking about if we should cancel church or not. And I was kind of like, it's snowing out, you know, big whoop. And that's kind of our MO. We mock churches down in Georgia that cancel because there's a couple flurries coming out of the sky. But we said, just to be safe, let's have Bob, who was speaking that weekend, let's have him come in and give a message pre-recorded so that we can post that online in case we do, in fact, have to cancel church. Well, Bob came in, pre-recorded this message. Of course, we canceled church. We posted it online. And I didn't see all of the comments below, but the few that I saw, I got a kick out of. Because they said things like this. Bob risked his life. Bob for the win. Bob to the rescue. Such a committed man of God. So selfless, some people said. And all those things are true. I don't, I don't take issue with any of that. But it seemed like some people thought that Bob got in that weekend, turned on all the lights, got the cameras in focus, did a little mic check, got up, gave the message, digitally mastered it, posted it online, shut the place down, and went home. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, we had audio, video, and lighting people who were there as well, and when Bob and I left at about 3 o'clock, they were still there. They actually weren't able to leave until five o'clock. And when they did, it was whiteout conditions. I mean, you could not see a thing. So they drove a mile down the road to our church offices, pulled into the parking lot, 
And they said, you know what? Some of us are not going to make it. We've got rear-wheel drive on our car. And so they all piled into Fife Dog's four-wheel drive SUV. Now, that's not his real name. His last name is Pfeiffer. But I was a fan of Tribe Called Quest back in high school, so I like to call him Fife Dog, much cooler than Pfeiffer. So they all pull into Fife Dog's four-wheel drive SUV. But before they did, they kind of ransacked our church offices, looking for anything that they could find to use in case they got stuck out in this storm and had to brave the elements. I asked Bjorn, who's our online video director, about this, and here's what he wrote to me in an email. He said, before leaving, we searched the office for blankets, shovels, and some pizzas in the fridge. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, a person yells out, hey, what do we need if we get stuck on this storm? Someone says, blankets to stay warm. Another person says, shovels to dig out. Who is the person who goes, frozen pizzas? <laughs> it's snowing. It's below zero. What in the world are you going to do with a frozen pizza? I work with these people. These are all guys who are single in their 20s, and they eat frozen pizzas. It's like the golden egg. You know, they can't leave house without a frozen pizza. So they pile into Fife Dog's SUV. There's about eight of them fogging up the window, so they have to stick their head out the window like a giraffe. And here's a picture of them. They got stuck. This is a little painful to see as it gets colder here in Minnesota. But this is Fife Dog here. He's like, I'm not pushing. It's my car, guys. You can push it yourselves. I love that. Uh, they finally got over to Bjorn's house, and eight of them slept overnight, and now you know the rest of the story. But here's the reason why I tell you all of that. It took many people that weekend using their unique God-given gifts for us to pull off church. You don't want Fife Dog giving the message, okay? You want Bob giving the message, but you don't want Bob or me uploading that video online, because if that was the case, you probably would have gotten it this week. Six months later, like, what is this, you know? In order for us to pull off church every weekend, it takes hundreds of staff and volunteers using their God-given gifts. Look what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, we are all one body. Now, when he says body, he's not referring, of course, to our physical bodies. He's referring to the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church, not a specific church, but every Christian worldwide makes up the big C church. They are the body of Christ. He says there's one body, and then he goes on to tell us about what we have in common, what we can unify around. In our world today that is so divided with political ideas and ideologies and denominations, it's really good for me, again, to hear this is what we have in common. As followers of Christ, he says there's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's only one God and Father who is over all of us and in us and living through us all. But then he transitions with this word, however. He says, however, God has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. Paul says, God, you have so many things in common as believers, but God has given you a special gift. It's unique to you to use in this world. Elsewhere, the Bible calls these spiritual gifts. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have at least one. And finding out what that gift is, is a key to understanding God's calling on your life. Look what Paul says just a few verses before this. He says, lead a life worthy of your calling. I love that. 
I was talking to one of my kids about goals recently. They were having a discussion about different goals in life. And you hear people all the time on social media, they'll post things, hashtag relationship goals or hashtag marriage goals, career goals, whatever it might be. I thought, what about this for a goal? What if every single person says, my goal is to live a life worthy of the calling that God has given to me? That's a hashtag goal. He says, for you have been called by God. He says, every single one of you has been called by God. But what is your calling? Do you know what God has called you to? Before my junior year of college, I transferred to Bethel University. And one of the things that they do at Bethel is they have a thing called Welcome Week. And it's for incoming freshmen and for transfers to get acclimated to the school. And a part of Welcome Week, they do a worship service called Koinonia. And I don't want this to sound too dramatic, but I went into that worship service, an economics major, who thought that I was going to work at the Federal Reserve Bank in downtown Minneapolis. And I walked out believing that God wanted me to be a pastor. It was just unmistakably clear to me. By about the second song in, I was choked up. I couldn't even sing. I found myself putting my hand over my face because I was so embarrassed at how much I was crying. And I just sensed God saying to me, give your life to this. The next day, I went to my accounting class, and they assigned 70 pages of reading in an accounting textbook. I almost cried again. And that was the clincher. I was like, okay, clearly that was God speaking to me. So I went and switched my major to communications and started looking for part-time youth ministry jobs. Now, I hesitate to share that story with you for a couple of reasons. The first one being is that your calling may not be dramatic. You may not walk into a worship service and then walk out believing God wants something different for you. Oftentimes, how people discover their calling is much quieter than that. They try something, they try something else, and then somebody says, you know, you're really gifted at that. You, you should do that, and that's how they discover God's calling. But the second reason why I hesitate to tell you that story is because oftentimes we tend to think that pastors are called, and everybody else just takes a job. It couldn't be further from the truth. Paul doesn't say, hey, if you're a pastor or a priest or something like that, then lead a life worthy of your calling. He says, you... You, me, every single one of us has been called by God. And this is so key. Your calling may not be your career. For example, some of you work at 3M. That's your career. But working at 3M may not be your calling. Your calling may be to mentor young women and develop their leadership gifts within 3M. You may be a teacher, that may be your career, but your calling may be to lead the next generation or to influence kids who come from a tough family background. That's your calling. You can fulfill your calling within your career potentially, but oftentimes a career is not the same thing as a calling. So many of us talk about our careers and we think about where's our career going. I want to ask you this, what is your calling? What has God put you on planet earth to do? When you know the answer to that question, it is a game changer. Because when you know why God put you on planet earth, you know why God didn't put you on planet earth, the things that he called you not to do. So when someone else says to you, oh, how about this opportunity? You go, you know what? I'm, I'm called over here. This is my gifting. I, I need to stay focused on that. When you know why God put you on planet earth, 
you don't have to be jealous of other people or compare yourself to others because you can say, you know what, that, that's their calling. I'm, I'm glad they're having success, but, but my calling is over here. When you know why God puts you on planet Earth, what he's called you to do, then you don't expect other people to be as passionate about certain issues as you are. I run into this all the time as a pastor. Why don't you do this? Why don't we do more of this? And more and more, my answer these days is, well, that's not my calling. That's your calling. And not only is it okay that we have different callings, that's how God created the body of Christ to work. He has called you. He has called me. Paul says God has given us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. Here's the definition of a spiritual gift for you. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability or talent that God gives to every believer. So it's not a natural talent. Some of you are good with numbers. Some of you are good at dancing or something like that. That's a natural talent. Oftentimes we look at athletes or musicians and we think, oh, they're so gifted. Really what they have is a God-given talent that they're utilizing. And if that athlete or musician, if they have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, then you have something they don't have. And that is a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are also not given to just an elite few. It's not like God goes, you know, I see a lot of potential in you. I see a little bit of potential in you. Not so much in you. It doesn't work like that. He gives a spiritual gift to every single believer. Which is why today I want to urge you to take three action steps when it comes to your spiritual gift. You got to find it. You got to grow it. And you've got to use it. Let's start out by looking at find it. Again, Paul says that he's given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. Here's my question. How do you know what that spiritual gift is? Well, according to Pastor Max Lucado, you discover your spiritual gift oftentimes at the intersection of success and satisfaction. In other words, what are you good at and what do you enjoy doing? And when you start to answer those two questions, that's when you start to see where your spiritual gifts might lie. Now, I need to remind you of something. A spiritual gift is not a natural talent. Because some of you are going, well, I enjoy golf, and I'm pretty good at golf. <laughs> golf is not your spiritual gift, okay? That's an activity. That is not a spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts are much deeper than that. In fact, let me show you a list of the spiritual gifts that are talked about in the Bible. And as I read this list to you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think to yourself, which one to three of these has God given to you? And if you already know your spiritual gift, then think about someone close to you like your kids. And what are the spiritual gifts that God has given to him, but them? But here's this list. Teaching. When you teach, other people tend to listen. You're, you're easy to listen to. Leadership. People turn to you. Hey, we need someone to lead this. What do you want us to do? You have that gift. Exhortation. Similar to teaching, but it's the ability to really inspire and exhort people. Giving. Some of you have a spiritual gift of giving. God may have given you the resources to give, or he may have given you just a generous heart and you love to give. It's a spiritual gift. Mercy. You're empathetic. You care about other people. Prophecy. This can be the ability to foretell the future, but it can also be an ability to speak in a way that pierces people's hearts, that really convicts them and, and draws them to action. Service. 
This is helping, serving, helping people out, administration, organizational kinds of gifts, discernment. Some of you can discern between what's right and what's wrong. You can spend time with a person and you just, God gives you a discernment about them. Faith. Every one of us is to have faith, but some of us have this spiritual gift where we're able to have faith no matter what's happening in our life. Healing. Some of you have prayed for people and you've seen them healed before. Help. Some of you just love to help. You just want, that's just what you want to do is help people. Knowledge. You have information, great memory. Miracles. God's performed miracles through you. Tongues. Some of you are in high school, you're like, is that kissing? I might have that gift. No, you don't, okay? On behalf of your parents, let me tell you, you do not have that gift. You should never try to utilize it. But tongues isn't that anyway. Tongues is a private prayer language between you and God. Or it's the ability to speak in a language you haven't studied before for talking to someone cross-culturally. Interpretation of tongues. Wisdom. You're a wise person. People come to you for advice. Evangelism. You tell people about Jesus. You're really good at that. Hospitality. You create environments that people love to be in. And finally, encouragement. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you have at least one of those gifts. And just because you don't have a gift right now doesn't mean that God might not want to give it to you in the future. In fact, I've been praying for two years for a spiritual gift of evangelism. Just praying that God would give that to me. God hasn't answered that prayer, but he may in the future. Here is the best way to discover your spiritual gifts. Find the person who knows you the best, spouse, friend, parent, whatever, and ask them this question. Which of these spiritual gifts do you think that I have? And just have them and, you know, go through that definition in that list. If you're still unsure, we have a free online class. It's, it's eaglebrookchurch.com slash GPS where you can take a free inventory. It's like a spiritual gifts test to determine what spiritual gift you might have. I think my spiritual gifts are teaching, leadership, and discernment. I didn't choose those. I didn't say, you know, God, I really would like that one and maybe this one. God just gave them to me. And in some ways, they even went against my natural personality. For example, when I was in high school, I was not a leader. I was an extreme follower. Even when I first became a youth pastor, I remember I took kids on my first missions trip. And the boys in my cabin came to me and they said, hey, have you ever heard of Canadian sit-ups before? I was like, no, I have no clue. They said, oh, it's hilarious. They said, you go up to someone and you say to them, hey, I'll bet you can't do a Canadian sit-up. And I don't know if the word Canadian just makes them go, oh, I can do anything a Canadian can do. But they take up the challenge. And so you get them down into a sit-up position, but you blindfold them so they can't see. But instead of tying the blindfold, they said you hold it on for resistance. So as they're doing the the sit-up, they really have to push to get there. They said right about the fourth sit-up, when they're just really pushing and straining, someone else and this is kind of the PG version, but they stick their rear end out in their face. And so right as the person is straining as hard as they can, the person who's holding the bandana goes, and bam, their face goes slamming into this person's rear end. I was the leader. I was supposed to be the voice of reason and maturity. Parents had sent their kids on this missions trip, trusting in me to set a good example and lead them in the right direction. I heard this and I said, 
that is awesome. I said, we got to do that. And so we spent the whole rest of the week tricking kids from other youth groups to come in and do these Canadian sit-ups. That was not good leadership. And I partially blame it on the fact that I did not have a spiritual gift of leadership at that time. But then towards the end of college, I noticed something changing. I noticed my personality was changing. I noticed that people were inviting me to lead, lead things that I had never been invited to lead before. And I realized that God had given a spiritual gift. Let me ask you, what do people come to you for? Maybe they come to you for advice. You have a spiritual gift of wisdom. Maybe they come to you for information. You might have a spiritual gift of knowledge. Maybe they come to you for reassurance. You might have a spiritual gift of encouragement. A couple weeks ago, I was speaking here at Eagle Brook, and I just wasn't feeling really good about the message. I felt a little unsure of how it landed on Saturday night. But on Sunday morning, I was walking through the hallway and back when this guy named Shannon, who's one of our security team members, and he's a former military member, and he looked at his past experiences in life, and he thought, how could I use those to serve the church? How could I use those to serve God? And so he got involved in our security team. But right as he was opening up a door for me, he said, hey, I just got to tell you something. That was one of your top five messages you've ever given. He had no idea that I was unsure. He had no idea that I was feeling insecure. But God did. And God sent someone who had a spiritual gift of encouragement at just the moment that I needed it. You know, one of the things that bothers me is when people elevate certain spiritual gifts above others. You'll be in certain church traditions and they elevate the spiritual gift of leadership and teaching. If you got those two, that's really cool. The other ones, you know, they're okay too. So other church traditions will elevate spiritual gifts of speaking in tongues or healing. If you got those, boy, you're an elite Christian, everybody else second class at best. That's not the picture that the Bible paints. The picture that God says is this, I am going to give each of you a special gift. And there is a unique way that I want you to use that gift. But you got to find it. You've got to discover what it is. You need to find it. And then second, you need to grow it. Now, I know this is a series on the book of Ephesians, but I want to read you a verse from 2 Timothy because it fits so well here. And Paul is talking to Timothy, who's a college-age young adult, and here's what he says. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you. Ever heard someone say before, that person is so gifted. Usually they'll say it in the context of an athlete. You know, Steph Curry, he's such a gifted shooter. Do you know how many three-pointers Steph Curry makes every day during the offseason? 500. I didn't say takes. I said he keeps shooting until he sees the ball go through the basket 500 times. And he does this during the offseason. When there's no bright lights, there's no cameras rolling, it's just him alone in a gym. If he does that for basketball then how much more should we be working to grow the spiritual gift that God has given to us? I say this to my kids all the time. If you want what nobody else has, you need to be willing to do what no one else is willing to do. That's a key to success in many areas of life. How much are you willing to sacrifice? How much time and effort are you willing to put into this? Paul says to Timothy, you need to fan into flame the spiritual gift that God has given to you. What does that mean? 
To fan it into flame means give it some oxygen. Give that flame what it needs to grow and to get bigger. I mentioned having a spiritual gift of teaching in my life. But that doesn't mean I don't need to grow that spiritual gift. In fact, I'll oftentimes talk to younger pastors and they'll ask this question, how can I become a better communicator? These days, I give them one word, preparation. Every time I write a message, it takes me about 20 hours just to write the message. Then the week of, I spend hours rehearsing and memorizing that message. Thursdays, from about 7.30 in the morning until whenever in the afternoon, I am alone in my bedroom going over this message out loud from start to finish, only taking breaks to rest my voice. It's brutal. Easily my least favorite day of the week. But it's that day, Thursday, that allows me to come on the weekend prepared to give a message to the best of at least the abilities that God has given to me. There's no shortcut. There's no secret. You've got to fan that gift into flame. But how do you do that? Well, first of all, you grow spiritually. A spiritual gift is what? A spiritual gift is spiritual. When you grow spiritually, your spiritual gift will grow as well. I have found that the more I read the Bible, I gain convictions. I start to get guidance, and that makes me a better leader. I find that when I pray about a message, I get passionate about it. And that makes me a better teacher and communicator. When you grow spiritually, your spiritual gifts will grow as well. I'm telling you, this is one of the reasons why some people have spiritual gifts just flatlined. Not using them, not interested in using them, not growing at all. Why? Because individually they're not growing. And so their spiritual gift isn't growing as well. But second, what if you ask God to increase your spiritual gift? I pray this all the time. God, would you increase my spiritual gift of teaching? What if you prayed a prayer like that this week? God, would you increase my gift of faith? I mean, I have faith, God, but I need an extra portion of faith right now. Would you increase that gift in me? What if you said, God, would you increase my spiritual gift of hospitality? I don't have a hospitality gift bone in my body, right? My wife will get on me about this. If I have friends over to the house, she'll go, did you ask them? Did you offer them anything to eat or to drink? And I'm like, the fridge is right over there. They can just go get something if they want to. That's kind of my hospitality gift. But some of you, you have this gift of creating environments that other people just love to be in. What if you started to use that, not for your own glory, but for God's? What if you used it not so people would say, oh, this tastes so good, or I love your decorating, but that they would be pointed to Jesus Christ? You need to fan your gift into flame. You need to grow it. So you got to find it, you got to grow it, and then finally, lastly, you got to use it. What good is it if you don't use your gift? Ephesians 4, 16, Paul writes this. He says, under his direction, under Christ's direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. It's the body of Christ. How, are they, how is this done? He says, as each part does its own special work. I talk to people all the time going through life feeling as if there's no meaning. There's no purpose. They're just aimless. You just get up, go to work, get to the grocery store, you know, go to the dentist or whatever they need to get done, watch a few shows on Netflix, go to bed, get up, go to school, get some homework done, play some video games, text message a few friends, go to bed. 
At some point in your life, you are going to stop and go, wait a minute, there's, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than just that. God says there is. I've given you a gift, and it's to do its own special work. He says it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. John Dickerson is a friend of mine. He's a pastor in Indiana. And a few months ago, he was with his son, Jack, and he started to become lightheaded and dizzy. And it got worse. He was stumbling. He couldn't get his balance. And for four days, he could not even walk. Had to crawl to get to the bathroom. He thought for sure it was vertigo, but when he went to the doctor, the doctor said, you have something called vestibular neuritis. It's an infection of the nerve that connects your ear to your brain. You have two of these nerves, one for your left ear, one for your right ear. It's a very small body part. It's, it's one that I had never even heard about until I heard John telling this story. But that small little body part, that seemingly insignificant part of his body was affecting John's whole life. Couldn't run, couldn't drive, couldn't stand up at church to give a message. That seemingly small and insignificant part was affecting the health of the whole body. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says this. He says, some of the parts that seem the weakest and least important are really the most necessary. He goes on and he says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. You may say, you know what? I just have a spiritual gift of serving. I don't really see if that's gonna do a whole lot of good. I just have a spiritual gift of mercy. I mean, I really feel things for people, but I, just, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm telling you, you are a necessary and valuable part. In 2014, Sean and Ricky McEvoy went to a Goodwill store in Asheville, North Carolina. And while they were there, they saw this unique piece of clothing. It was a sweater that had the words West Point embroidered across the front. Sean and Ricky owned a vintage clothing store, so they thought, you know, we could clean this thing up a little bit, maybe sell it for a few dollars profit. But a few nights later, they were watching a documentary on Netflix, and it was about the Hall of Fame football coach, Vince Lombardi, from the Green Bay Packers. And Vince Lombardi went to West Point between the years of 1949 and 1953. And as they were watching, they noticed that he was wearing a sweater that looked very similar to the one that they had just bought at the Goodwill. So they went upstairs and they started digging around behind the tags and they found the name Lombardi written on it. Turns out this was Vince Lombardi's warm-up sweater from when he was at West Point. Sean and Ricky sold that sweater a few weeks later at an auction for $43,000. Now, before you all go running out to the Goodwill, because that's what some of you are going to do, I've given messages before where I'll just briefly mention Chick-fil-A or something. And then that week, I'll get two emails with a selfie from Chick-fil-A. I'm like, well, I wanted you to put your faith in Jesus, but I'm glad you're enjoying your chicken sandwich. So I know some of you are going to run out to the Goodwill, but before you do, here's what you need to know. You are the treasure. You see, goodwill is filled with articles of clothing and toys that someone else did not see value in, and so they discarded it. And maybe today you feel like you have been discarded. 
Maybe you were discarded by your employer and you've been working there for 20 years and they came to you and said, you know, we're gonna go in a different direction. I wanna try to reach a younger audience, reach millennials and, and so we're gonna move on. And just like that, you were discarded. Maybe you feel like you've been discarded in your marriage or by your boyfriend or girlfriend. That one day they looked at you and said, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Or you found out that they had been secretly seeing someone else. And in an instant, you felt disregarded. Maybe for you, there was a, a group of friends and you had a really close friend. You guys were really tight. You were close with one another. And all of a sudden, they started hanging out with a different group. And you would see them spending time with each other, and you weren't invited. And just like that, you felt disregarded and pushed away. I want you to know today that God will never do that to you. That God sees your value. Maybe your coaches and teachers didn't see your value Maybe you had a, a, an employer who didn't see the potential in what you could offer. Maybe you grew up with parents who were always going, well, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that right, you didn't do this right. And you started to believe that you hadn't, didn't have much value or potential. I'm telling you, God wants to pick you up off of that pile. He wants to make you alive in Christ. He wants to fill you up with his spirit. He wants to give you a spiritual gift, and he wants you to use that spiritual gift in the unique way that God gave it to you to use. But you gotta find it. You gotta grow in it. And then you gotta use it. God has given you everything that you need to do everything he has called you to do. Some of us look at our calling in life, we go, oh, it's just too big. I just don't think I can do that. That's overwhelming. I am telling you, God has given you everything you need to do everything he has called you to do. God could do everything just on his own, but he chooses to use us. He chooses to give us a spiritual gift. We are gifted. Let's stand as we close in prayer together at all of our campuses. God, I pray for anyone here who feels discarded who just feels tossed away and pushed out, discarded by another person or an organization. God, I thank you that you never do that to us, that you see value in us. And God, if there's anybody here today who's starting to doubt their value and their worth and their ability to accomplish something in this world, I pray today that you will remind them and keep reminding them that you gave them a supernatural spiritual gift. It's within them to use. And God, I pray that we would use it. I would pray that every one of us here would find our gift, grow in our gift, and then we would be unleashed to use our gift. No matter what season of life we are in, that we would figure out a way that we can use the spiritual gift that you have given to us, God, not for our glory, but for yours. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great day, everybody.